The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? Hey, grace and peace. Welcome to the Bible says what? Podcast. My name is Paul Desay from Columbus, Indiana. And I am Pastor John Gibson from Centerville, Ohio. Hey, John, what's up, man? Not much. How are you doing today? I am doing well until I decided to have this conversation with you. Now I'm scared. It is kind of weird because we're like all up in the Advent season as we're recording this. And we're dropping with like (laughs) this heavy load of theological horrific conversation. (laughs) Violence, violence, birth of Jesus. No, so here's the question, and this is what scares me. Ready? How do how do we rec? Are you you're laughing? I'm laughing. I'm not giggling. I'm laughing. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like I don't know what else to do. All right. How do we reconcile the vengeful, violent God of the Old Testament with the God of love revealed in Jesus in the New Testament? That's Boom. a great question. I can't wait for you to answer it, Pastor Paul. <laughs> now you don't understand why I'm scared. This is a tough one, dude. This is I've been working on this one for 20-some years. It is tough. Super tough, but super relevant, too. I think, you know, out of all of the questionings I hear from people, if they really get honest, and my, myself included, if you really get honest, this is something that I go, what the heck? You know, because this God that I want to believe in and I see and revealed through Jesus, and then I go read the Old Testament. And I sometimes I throw up my hands and say, I I don't know what to do with this. And if it is really true, if God is really doing these things, then He's like this, you know, schizophrenic, multi personality God. And I don't know which one I'm going to get. Am I going to get grace and love, or am I going to get like smite and holy terror? You know, That's no right. wonder people are afraid. No wonder. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I thank God for Jesus who saves me from the violent God. I mean, you know, that's unfortunately sometimes that's where our brain goes. But I have a feeling we'll end up in a different direction today. So I hope so anyway. I (laughs) I do. I do as well. All right. So let's lay this out. Let me let's give an example of how bad this gets. All right. And then let's kind of run through some possibilities of how we could answer this question. And then we'll kind of break it apart. All right, so here, here's Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 to 18 out of the New Revised Standard. All right, so check this out. But as for the towns of these people that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, you must not let anything that breathes remain alive. You shall not annihilate them, the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Pezerites, Pezerites and the Heaviites and the Jubasites and the Johnnyites and the... I don't know, some more rights, uh, just as the Lord God, your God has commanded so that they may not teach you to do all the abhorrent things that they do for their gods and you thus sin against the Lord, your God. Boom. Thus Annihilate them. The Lord. <laughs> I feel like we need them. some thematic music behind no doubt. That, you know, like from an Armageddon movie or, or like the orc music that comes when the, the horrible army of the Sauron's coming to destroy everyone, you know, kill them all. That's right. Annihilate them. It's, it's horrific. It's horrific. The Bible says what? Right. So, oh, sorry. So here's some of the possible answers that, that people come up with with this question. So how do we deal with the violence? So number one, if Jesus is sending people to hell, what's so bad about killing some Canaanites? <laughs> Whoa. Well, that's tough. 
All right. Number two, God is wrathful in the Old Testament. Jesus balanced out the wrath of God in the New Testament. Yeah. I mean, that's that's okay. how I used to think. I mean, you know, God's mean in the Old Testament. Jesus is New Testament. It's like good cop, love. bad cop. Yeah, yeah. It balances <laughs> out. God's mad. Jesus is love. And they balance each other out. It's interesting to me, too, that we, we oftentimes believe that God took out his anger on Jesus. Right. So right. Jesus came and not only Jesus balanced it, but Jesus like was the big punching dummy, you know, where God took out all his anger and blasted Jesus on the cross kind of thing, you know. Which right. Jesus was a part of God, so he did that to himself. I mean, that'll make yeah, your brain hurt. Like. Yeah, that's right. Now I got a headache. All right, number three. The Canaanites were the worst sinners ever, and God didn't want their evil to spread to the Israelites, so they wanted them wiped out. So he wanted them wiped out. Like a cleansing. Yeah, like this is a yeah. disease, and you wipe them out, so uh, everything remains pure. But we're pretty sure that this was not a figurative command that we read in the Old Testament. The, the, what I'm saying is the Israelites went and did this. Yes. They didn't go, yeah. oh, God, that's a great metaphor for cleansing the sin of our lives away so we're pure before you. No, they went out and they actually killed everybody. Right. Because God told them to. Just right. making that clear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. All right, number four. God never told the Israelites to kill the Canaanites. The Israelites believe that God told them to kill the Canaanites. Heathen. Heretic. Yeah. yeah there you go. So the Bible didn't say it? They thought they did. They thought they thought that God because I mean, and this is we'll get more into this one a little bit that they typically in that ancient Near East time period is the gods told you to conquer every man, woman and child. I mean, that was the way things work. So, of course, they believe that God wanted this. So they believe God told them to do this. This one put a star by that one, because for me as a Bible teacher, as a Bible learner, that's hugely important right is the the story behind the text what was going on and we we talked a little bit about that in previous episodes but what what was the lens with which the israelites saw and related to god let's put a star by that one all right all right i put a star uh, a virtual star <laughs> here we go number five israelites never did wipe out the canaanites the editors of scripture told the story that way to make a point against the myth of redemptive violence Hmm. <laughs> All right, number six, which is an interesting one. God lets his children tell the story. Interesting. So God just well, lets this... lets his kids tell the story, and the way it turns out is the way it turns out. That's interesting. Okay. Well, number, number seven is a big question mark. Yeah, I was wondering when you get to that one. Like we don't. I don't have any I don't know. Idea. I have no clue. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so today, you know, we want to we want to recognize there's a lot of different explanations for this, and everyone's going to have different takes on it. And not that we're going to get to right to wrong, but what we want to do today is really just acknowledge there's an elephant in the room. This is a big deal for everybody, right? What is what's going on with the God in the Old Testament and all the violence, right? And so this is the elephant in the room. And so there's a couple, a couple ways we can really handle it. Number one, we can reject the violent passages, just cross them off, reject them, kind of like Thomas Jefferson did in his Bible. He just cut everything out that he didn't like. <laughs> and I think right. a lot of us do that, right? We, I only read the New Testament. Like, right, right, right. Well, <laughs> I don't read any of that, 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 yeah, that Old just, Testament stuff. I'm a New like, Testament Christian. <laughs> or number two, number two, and maybe this is where, you know, I think where I'm leaning is, is this, is there must be something else going on. You know what I mean? If it does, if the passages, God doesn't look like Jesus, 
then maybe there's something else going on that we need to explore. Maybe we need to dig a little bit more. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's a big deal because it affects the trajectory of people's faith. You know, I, I don't know how many people I know that have began their faith journey only to encounter some of these things and go, ah, you know, I can't be a part of that. Or people who don't even get to a place of meeting Jesus because they have such an issue with this revealed God of the Old Testament. How how could a God of love, you know, do these things in the Old Testament? And it brings them to questions today. Like if that same God is the same God today who doesn't stop mass killings from happening and, you know, is the same God who sends hurricanes to destroy the world and, you know, on and on it goes. If we believe that God is capable of certain actions, then how can we worship him? And I, I think that's why it's such a big deal uh, to me personally is because it's such a barrier to people really having a healthy relationship with God. And so how do we navigate past and over the barrier of this, you know, this violent depiction? For, for me, that's the elephant. Like, let's, yeah, for sure. let's say it's there and let's not let it affect our faith negatively anymore. Let's find a way to see what is God, let's let God redeem it. Well, how about that even? What if God there could redeem go. it? Like, there you that'd go. be crazy stuff. He does that all the time. So if we believe that Jesus fully reveals what God is like, in other words, when we look to Jesus, we see who God is. We have no choice but to suspect that something else must be going on when God appears to act violently in the Old Testament. Something and let's be else clear, right, Paul, we're starting from that assumption. Yes. So we've talked about that in previous podcasts, and you'll hear us talk about that forever and ever, that our, our working assumption from the beginning is that Jesus says, you know, the disciple, I'm, I'm always brought to mind that, that situation where the disciples are like, we want to see the Father. Like, we want to see God the Father. That was like their obsession. And Jesus is like, hey, yo, bros, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like, I am a complete picture of who God is, and I'm here. I'm like a corrective lens. I'm going to give you some LASIK, some faith LASIK, and you can actually finally see what God's like by seeing me. We're working from that premise, just to be clear, right, Paul? Absolutely, absolutely. So what if we viewed these Old Testament violent passages through the lens of Jesus? You know, what if we would try to do that? What if we would say these passages somehow point to Jesus? So if that's the starting point, then maybe we can discover uh, something deeper than what is uh, what we always thought. Uh, I mean, you know, like you said, this is tough stuff. I mean, Richard Dawkins, right, uh, atheist, he said this. He said, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction, jealous and proud of it, petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, uh, misogynist, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, right? I don't know yeah. how to say it. Genocidal, uh, felicidal, pesticidal. Uh, it just bunch goes on and on. Yeah, like, a bunch of words that are bigger than me. He's a smart guy, apparently. He's, He's a bully, of... <laughs> right? So, so, I mean, this is, this is like a you said. A malevolent bully. <laughs> that's right. This is, this is how uh, this issue, big this issue is. So there's an elephant in the room. And if we believe that God is uh, altogether beautiful, loving, compassionate, and just, then somehow we have to kind of reconcile the Old Testament with the New Testament. So how do we do that? Like, how do we, where do we start? And man, we have so much stuff to talk about. It's going to fill multiple episodes. So how do we just begin? You, you know, you're 
you know, regular old Susie or Joe, and you open up the Bible, you do the whole like flip and point kind of thing. God, give me a word today, and you land on Deuteronomy 20, 16 through eighteen, and you read that sucker. Like, <laughs> how do we how do we start? Well, I think We're, that the first is just to acknowledge that it's ugly, man. It's messy. It's and there. I think you you hit so that's an important point, Paul, because I don't know about you. But I personally, and I encounter a lot of people that don't want to think about the Bible as anything other than God's perfect, inerrant, revealed Word of God. Because that gives me warm fuzzies, right? <laughs> right? That it's this thing I can pick up and it's right all the time and it's beautiful and it always makes sense. Yet, that's not often the Bible we encounter. So kind of dispelling that myth right off. The Bible's messy, yeah, the, the Bible is is fully divine and fully human. We've said that from day one, right? So every time we encounter God, we're going to encounter the mess of humanity. Uh, and so that's what we see when we get into these ugly, violent passages. We see the mess, and we should expect it. We really should expect that we're going to wade into the mess. Um, we're going to encounter God in the mess, but we're going to encounter the mess and the sin of humanity when we read the scriptures. Um, and I think that's a starting point. It's there. It's and I think it's a, it, right. It's not run from it. And yep. it's a good point to know too. And maybe this is a topic for a future episode, but this whole inerrancy and mess versus messy Bible thing, you know, that it's okay for it to be messy and it doesn't ruin our faith or the foundations of our faith to recognize that there is you know, some of that tension in the scriptures. There's contradictions. There, there are things that we encounter and go, what is going on? For me, the real danger is when we read passages like this and we, we want our warm fuzzies that God, you know, has a, God understands more than we do and he has a plan for everything, even bashing babies' heads on rocks. Like that can bring us to more dangerous places, I think, than saying, well, maybe the Bible's messy and we got to figure out what's really going on underneath all this, you know, that something else is going on. Wouldn't you agree? I think we get to really dangerous places by holding on to that inerrancy, God has to have a plan kind of thing. Well, I think it pollutes our mental images of God. And so what we end up believing is that God, even though there's Jesus, this God is angry and vengeful. And uh, so I think it does. It pollutes our mental images of God. And that affects our relationship. And take it to another level. All these studies that are being done that if you believe in a violent depiction of God, uh, you become more violent as a person. Uh, so there are many reasons that we have to really deal with this. I mean, think throughout history. How many horrific things have been done? I mean, just you, the listener, right now. Just take, I mean, I'll give you 10 seconds. You think for yourself, how many, of, how many things throughout history have been done in the name of God? And yet they're just horrific things. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Holy I mean, wars. Crusades I mean, oh, crusades and jeez. Uh, I mean, even yeah. even Hitler and people who, you know, thought they were doing God's work and taking sections of scripture to to you know stand for what they stood for, you know. And boy, how often do we do that? We take the Bible and make it say what we want it to say to fit our purposes and preferences. That can be super dangerous. Yeah, I mean, we look at the Bible and all the thousands of pages of it, and we believe that all of it's inspired, which I do, but for whatever reason, we believe it's all equally authoritarian, that every verse is uh, equal authority. And we've already talked about that the Bible points to Jesus, so obviously the passages 
that reveal Jesus to us have the utmost authority. And the passages that don't reveal Jesus to us are important. They are inspired. But ultimately, we have to look to Jesus to define everything in Scripture. And that is so, so important, especially when we deal with violent passages like we're getting into today. So what else is going on with this thing? If, if that's really the question, there must be something else going on, right? Yeah. Specifically with this passage we're kind of digging into. All right. So, John, you are now are a missionary. Oh. And you are going overseas into some country that, let's say, in the jungle, right? And you don't speak their language. What do you do? Um, make hand signals. <laughs> <laughs> draw cave drawings um, try to make up a language so they hopefully no speak here's one here's what I'll do I'll speak really slowly in English yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> where is the bathroom <laughs> so alright so you go in and your job is to tell this village who's never heard about Jesus tell them about Jesus but you get in there, you don't speak the language, you don't know the culture, and what do you end up having to do when you get in there? You realize that they got some pretty violent traditions. Maybe they, and I mean, this is gross, but maybe uh, when a teenager uh, becomes a man, you know what I mean? Maybe they chop off his left thumb or something so stupid, right? So you're coming in there telling about Jesus, how do you address the thumb issue? Yeah, I, and I think I see where you're going because it leads us to a great point that we we can't we can't come in and like completely transport our perception of things, or God can't come in and completely transform like here's the perfect world in the minds of people that cannot comprehend that world, right? Because they live in their own. That's right. And so there's this difference between like influence and coercion, you know, where he makes something happen or does he have to, you know, draw people slowly to a place where, where, and this all over scripture, right? Where God's taking the people who can't see and he's helping them to see. So that's, you know, something that happens over time, I think. For all yeah. So God is, God is this missionary who comes to us in the midst of our mess, right? And he's guiding us and influencing us to health and to shalom, and to peace, uh, but he doesn't do it through violent force or coercion, right? He does it gradually and lovingly, and he teaches us about his truth in ways that uh, take time. It's a progression. It's a process. It's a journey. And so when he comes to this group of people uh, in the ancient Near East, he loves them patiently uh, and even accommodates to them. I mean, things like he didn't want, but he knew that he had to teach them in a loving, patient way, like animal sacrifices. That wasn't his idea, right? Uh, the Israelites uh, practiced animal sacrifices because everybody else was doing it. So what did God do? God accommodated and taught them through the sacrificial system how different he is. And, you know, the, the same thing could be talked about with, with marriage and uh, divorce and uh, uh, he didn't want them to have a human king, but he allowed yeah, them to have a bad him. idea. Bad yeah. idea. You're going to get messed up. And sure enough, they did. So in other words, God, God stooped down on our level and loved us enough 
to gradually patiently teach us, even though at first it may appear that he was affirming our decisions. It may at first, it may be, it seemed like he was saying these things are okay, but could it be that he was lovingly, patiently leading us towards where he wanted to be? I think you make, and I'll jump ahead a little bit, Paul, because I, but I think this fits here. You know, this difference between our perception of God affirming some of these things that seem negative, so specifically violent acts, God's affirming, or is it hum, humans perceiving or hearing through their contextual lens? Right, and I, I, I was thinking about just the other day. I told Marley, my uh, middle daughter, to go get the trash from the road and bring it up to the house. I said, Marley, go get the trash and bring it up to the house. She went and got the trash and she put the trash can right in front of the front door. And I walked out to go to work and I opened the door. I can't even open the door because the big old trash can's sitting there. I said, Marley, why, why is the trash can in front of the door? And she said, well, you told me to bring the trash up to the house. I said, Marley, what, in what world would, would you not just put the trash can where they always go? And there was a disconnect between what I meant. You know, I like slapped my head. I said, that's not what I meant, Marley. And I could almost envision God in this same way, like trying to communicate his perfect word to the Israelites. And over and over again, they say, oh, that's a great idea, God. Let's go wipe out our enemies. And God's saying, no, that's not what I meant. But they didn't have the ability to understand completely what he was communicating to them. Is how I kind of try to wrap my heads around this thing. It's like a big game of telephone. They keep misinterpreting because they can only interpret through their context, right? Like you said, they were in a tribal world. So for them, it was normal. Anybody other than their tribe was enemy and was a threat. So the only way to deal with enemy and threat was to kill them. You know, it's like this escalating violence thing going on in the world, which we could talk about some other day, that if, if you kill my brother, then I'm going to kill your whole family. That was just the way that it was. So it stands the reason when God says, I'm going to you know, make you a people and give you a kingdom, and my promise is for you to, to live and be the people of God. It's not too far for them to make the leap and say, well, that means that God's saying we should go kill everybody else and have our kingdom, right? That's right. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I think that they interpreted it through their lens. And so God, in the midst of our sin and our mess, comes to us and loves us, even if it appears that he's validating what we believe is correct. Um, and that's oftentimes what missionaries do. They go into third world countries and they love on the people and they have to pick and choose what are the issues they're going to address first. Because obviously people are um, where they are in that time and, you know, tribal warfare everybody wipes out men women and children that's what you did you you kept the uh, virgins as spoils of war i mean this is the way things worked so obviously these people felt that their god just like all the other gods affirmed their actions Um, and unfortunately that's where we as as people who interpret scripture have to understand what's going on behind the text and uh you know i think that's where history plays a big part in studying the bible i love this quote you have written down where underneath there's something else going on it said it's been said that god created man in his own image and man being a gentleman returned the favor (laughs) when you say what you just said it makes me think about that you know that we we want to kind of transport our perception our purposes and our priorities on god 
we, we assume that's he's just like us and he's gonna he's gonna act within the confines of the world that we live in so if you if you take a look at these Old Testament passages they uh, that show the violence they really show the violence and the, the consequences of sin and so when I sin I have to deal with the consequences right and if I sin against you then you then have to deal with my consequences from my sin. And so that's messy. That's, that's what we see in the Old Testament is we see the mess of the consequences of sin. And God lets that happen. God lets us tell the story in the way that we see it. He doesn't dictate. He doesn't come to us and say, I want you to write this down exactly the way that I'm saying it. It's human beings encountering God and they're writing it down from their perspective. And if they're in the midst of sin then they're going to see it through that lens of sin. Just like I, if I am misinterpreting scripture, if I would tell my friends, hey, God told me to do this, then they're going to have to uh, view me through that lens of, well, God said that he could do this. And you know, that's what we get when we read the scriptures. We have people's interpretations of what God is telling them to do. It gets that's, dangerous and messy. It seems a lot more complicated, too, to have to read the Bible this way, as opposed to reading it literally, you know, and kind of hiding underneath that the safety net of inerrancy where we can just say everything that's in the Bible is God-breathed, which we believe, you know, God was a part of it. The difference is that he's also allowing us to be a part of it. Um, but, boy, this is a lot more complicated way to read the Bible because we have to take so many other things into account. We can't just throw our hands up and say, well, God knows better than we do. We just have to trust him, you know. We have to trust that he knew what he was doing when he told him to kill whole races of people. Uh, it's a lot harder. <laughs> this is a lot, and let's just let's speak that out. That this is a harder way to read the Bible, because you you can't just jump to those simple assumptions. You have to say, what well, what was going on with those people? You know what? How did they view God, and why why did they hear him a certain way? And with all that in mind, what is how does Jesus set us straight? You know, they didn't have the they didn't have the, the, the great convenience of having Jesus yet, you know? They just had these promises in the future of what God was going to do, right? We have this great convenience where we can flip ahead and say, well, now we have a new hermeneutic. That's a fancy word for interpretation lens. We have a new way to say, well, is what was really going on here? What is going on? Yeah, and if we believe that Jesus fully reveals what God is like, and we have no choice but to suspect that something else must be going on when God appears to act violently in the Old Testament, right? And so something else must be going on. So what is it? Well, maybe they're dealing with their worldview, and God is working lovingly to bring them to shalom uh, where they're at. That takes time, just like a parent raising a child. doesn't always happen to the snap of your finger, right, John? Hey, do <laughs> My it this kids way. do. They're perfect yeah, yeah, angels. Well, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe you're just a better parent than I am. But, <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it takes time. It does. And that's what we're reading in the scriptures is we see a loving father loving his children, leading them, guiding them, forming them, shaping them to be the people he wants it to be. But as children, sometimes children make a lot of mistakes. Sometimes they beat up the kid down the street. And that's what we see when we're reading these, um, these scriptures from an early stage of the community of God. I think it's important, too, and uh, this just kind of came to mind. It's actually not in our show notes, but I can, I'll edit that out. But this came to mind 
Paul because God, this isn't like a maybe thing. Like God may be meaning something different in these Old Testament passages. We know this to be true because of what Jesus said. Uh, and he, he even speaks it clearly. This one came to mind as you were talking that where Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say. You know, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I say, turn the other cheek. I mean, Jesus clearly is saying, take, take, the, take this Torah law that really wasn't, like you said, a loving kind of movement away from this escal escalating violence. So back in the Old Testament, God saw the problem of, you kill my brother, I'm going to kill your family, I'm going to kill your tribe, and we're going to destroy the world. That was escalating violence. Like, it's always a one-up kind of world. And so God knew he couldn't get them all the way to Jesus, but he said, listen, let's just make the punishment or the re retribution equal to the crime. So if you gouge my eye, I'm going to gouge your eye. We're going to make it equal. But then Jesus takes it one step further, all the way to wholeness, and reveals, like, here's, here's the ultimate end of the world that I want you to live in. And to me, that's proof of, of this. It's like proof of concept. Where the Jesus, the God reveals Himself slowly to all of the Israelites because of the world they live in, but then ultimately wants to bring them to this place of nonviolence, right? Where there's no retribution. Instead, we live in a in like this eternal restoration because of this submission and laying down of our rights, which you know hundreds of years ago the Israelites would have like scoffed and said, well, "What the freak are you talking about?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> But it's for me, that's proof of concept in this whole conversation, is that this, that's exactly what Jesus does. He spends this whole first part of his sermon like saying, hey, you've heard it said. He's taking Torah and reinterpreting it, saying, let's take it one more step further. Well, I mean, that's the entire Old Testament, if you look at it from progression. You think of Abraham and Isaac, Abraham uh, being told by God to, to take his son Isaac up the mountain with wood to sacrifice him, right? Because all the gods in those days required children's sacrifices, right? So they go up there, and uh, Abraham goes to sacrifice his son Isaac, and God says, wait, 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 and God provides the sacrifice, right? And so in that day, Abraham would have been, wait, wait, this God's different. This, this God's not like all the other gods. Well, maybe that message is exactly what's being communicated through the Old Testament, but we have to have eyes to see and ears to hear that mm -hmm. this God is different this God doesn't require child sacrifices. In fact, as you go through the journey through the Old Testament, you discover that God abhors violence, but it takes time to see all of that. And when we get to Jesus, just as you said, Jesus is the picture of Torah come to life, and Jesus is the picture of what God intended all along, but just as children who can't see what the parents want to do immediately, it takes time for them to get it. Um, and by the time we get to Jesus, Jesus is able to teach them, no, 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 don't hate your enemies, love your enemies. Um, you know, Jesus is teaching them what swords to plowshares meant. Um, it just takes time. Gives me a lot of hope, too, Paul, when I, because I want, I want this, I want that God. You know, I want, I want the God who reveals himself sacrificially as a God who says, I'm going to come and either, even though my people over and over again choose the wrong way and choose sin and choose destructive behaviors, I'm going to come put flesh on, hang on a cross and show them the picture of redemptive, restorative justice, you know, and even, even the image of the cross we get wrong, I think, as we, we think it's this, 
and we, we hit on that a little bit. That'd be another poll podcast conversation. But we think that, God, you know, the Father's like just doling out divine wrath on Jesus, and thank God he's there taking it for us, you know. But but the activity of Jesus sacrificing this this humbling before laying down of life is a picture of what restoration accomplishes. You know, instead of violence, we we submit and we we give ourselves so that life can form from the midst of that dying. Uh, that gives me such beautiful hope to know that God's got something different going on that something different is happening especially when we read these stories of humans just like us facing the same kind of challenges that we face when we hear God tell us something or and we kind of have to you know what does that mean what does God mean when he says things absolutely man you know what there's something else going on you know what I mean yeah when no when a bible passage doesn't look like Jesus we either can reject it or ask the question, you know, what, what else is going on here? What don't I understand? Maybe there's some history that I need to dig into. But just that one question, uh, what else is going on, can actually point us in the right direction. And so maybe that's today something that we can grab hold of is when the passage doesn't look like Jesus, what else is going on? There's something else going on in this passage. And dig in until you find it. It's a great challenge as we read the Bible here leading up through Advent and into the next, you know, church year is when you read the Bible, that's our challenge for you, all you listeners today, is, and I think for one, know that you're not alone. Pastor Paul and I both um, continually wrestle with this challenging question. How do we resolve these violent depictions of God in the, uh, in the Old Testament with the picture of Jesus in the New? But to also give yourself permission to, to say what else is going on. You know, don't just read things at face value and throw up your hands and say, well, I'm, I just can't understand it, so I'm going to leave it at that. You know, God has something more for us. And I think it's, it, it invites us to such a deeper relationship with him, too. Like, to really come before God and say, God, this makes no sense to me. May your spirit guide me and lead me to, to really understand what's going on and how can it make me move closer to Jesus, move closer to you. What a powerful invitation God gives us in that way. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. Hey, all those out there that want to go deeper into this uh, conversation, and, and we'll definitely be doing more podcasts about the, the violent uh, imagery in the Old Testament. There's a great book that uh, we highly recommend. It's called Cross Vision by Gregory A. Boyd. Cross Vision by Gregory A. Boyd. And he deals with this topic head, head on. And uh, he has a scholarly work also, like 1,200 pages. Ooh. That's just a, just a, an interesting trudge through. But this book is, uh, is a great book, and uh, he summarizes all his academic stuff down into a very readable version. So if you want to go deeper into this particular topic, Cross Vision by Greg Boyd is a great place to start. We'll put that down in the show notes, too, for you, uh, so you can grab a link to that on Amazon or all you know, book retailers. There you go. There you go. So, man, this has been good. This has been good. I good conversation. It. Absolutely. Definitely right. more to talk about, though, right? Like Absolutely. We, we haven't answered it. <laughs> no, no. We got to go deeper, man. Uh, All right. Well, this has been another interesting conversation, and we are so glad that you took the time to join us on. The Bible says what? <laughs> we hope it's tickled your brain. And stirred your soul. And most of all, connected you more deeply to Jesus. We hope you'll join us for another exciting episode on The Bible Says What podcast. 
as we dig into another topic that is sure to make you go, hmm, as it continues to do to my faith journey. How do we know what the Bible is, is accurate? Didn't scribes make changes along the way? Uh, d they did, didn't they? <laughs> You're saying what they wrote isn't actually the end thing. I don't know what to do with that, Paul. But I can't There's wait. It'll editors, be editors, <laughs> editors. There's editors in there. That's what we're going to talk about next time is, you know, didn't some kind of editing process take place? And so how do we know if it's accurate or not? So, hey, I'm Pastor Paul. And I'm Pastor John. We'll see you next time. Grace and peace. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what?